general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned.
if it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like some days, we have got golf team and myself kicking it off. We've got a casual waiting in the wings to help give us a little bit of a recreational onlook for the weekend. And hopefully, once we get into the car talk, we've got our uh, slow baked brothers coming in to help us get some guest breakdown going on for that as well. But before we get into all the craziness and shenanigan, how you doing over there, golf team? Fucking fantastic, man. And now that um, the week is almost over, because I know Saturday's coming and it can't come soon enough. Holy hell, it's been a wild week. Yeah, I, I absolutely co-sign that for sure. This week has been fucking crazy around here as well. Okay, so as we like to do around here, before we get into the news and recent events, we do a little bit of a recap here of last weekend's uh, shenaniganry. Um, we're going to jump from the Bellator backwards into the UFC. So the Bellator, like we kind of told you, there wasn't really a whole lot to get excited about. And sure enough, we were right. There really wasn't a whole lot that made you get excited once that card actually played out. Uh, to be fair, though, uh, Paul Daly ended his career with a very decent fucking stoppage, very nicely done. It looked in the beginning like he might come out kind of half-assed in it because uh, Giancomo, I believe his name was, uh, was really fucking putting it on him right out of the gate. He wasn't giving Daly a fucking easy walkout, but Paul Daly being Paul Daly found a way to land that big fucking shot and uh, laid his gloves down after a, a very nice fucking victory. So, you know, hats off to a man who legitimately helped put MMA on the map for a decent majority of uh, current MMA hardcores, as it were. Um, I, I definitely anticipate if there is some type of universal MMA Hall of Fame, since he obviously isn't getting in the UFC Hall of Fame after that shit. Um, but if there is some type of universal Hall of Fame, I do think that he would deserve a place in it, if nothing else, than for what he's done in Strike Force and then in Bellator and the incident that got him removed from the UFC. Um, he has put on amazing fucking performances for the better part of a decade and a half. So there is that. Yes and no. There are some things he deserves to be there for, but there's a giant red fucking flag that says you don't deserve to ever be there, period. Because it's not something you do. If you're going to do it, something like that, you go do it in a bar and knock somebody's fucking teeth out and then call it a day. Let the fucking civilian side deal with it. Don't deal with it right after I'm just saying. I still have it really pissed off spot about that just because you got worked like a fucking hebrew slave doesn't mean you have the right to fucking do some dumb shit like that right yeah it, it i can see both sides of the argument but i i'm i look at it as the greater picture is that he's done now so now is the moment when we get to be selective and go back and reflect on the entirety of the career without the recency bias really impacting as much fair enough but hey, i also right. see I also acknowledge his fuckery as well. <laughs> I will say prior to that fuckery, he had great potential star power and then he fucked. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there were some things that you could say definitely molded the sport a little bit, but at the same time, the one that molded the sport the biggest, 
caused some uh, big, big, big fucking problems. I mean, there's been other people to follow that have done the same thing. And the only reason they're not out of the UFC is because their star power was bigger at the time. Right. Yeah. Their, their needle moving ability grew despite their bullshit. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. But like I said, considering that that was his last hurrah and that he has made it very clear he is not trying to be one of those Henry Cejudos that sits on the sideline and pleads for fights from Twitter after he quote-unquote retires. So uh, I don't think we're going to see Simtex angling to get back in the cage anytime soon. And, and for that, I, I do respect him. So I feel what we're going to see um, somebody trying to cast a line out to him from BKFC, though. I, I definitely would not put that past them at this point for sure. Yeah. Whether he takes the bait or not, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Cause that, that actually could be an area where he could still shine because that fucking hand of his with no worry of a takedown could be very fucking deadly still for a good while to come as we've seen with some other gentlemen who've demonstrated that. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh Definitely potential interest in the future, we'll say. I, I, I think that's an accurate statement. Uh, that being said, I gave you guys the heads up on one of those few fights on that card last week. Kana Watanabe is a tiny little fucking beast. She wrapped up one of the smoothest fucking triangles. And to be fair, from the camera angle, you got to watch her play out every move in perfect fucking sequence. Lock it up, pull it tight, and then just look at the referee and wait. Be like, you're going to come over you. You're going to want to get closer, dude. Uh, and just perfect fucking execution. Uh, unfortunately for her opponent, the second she started to initiate that triangle, she was all kinds of wrapped up and couldn't see what was coming. So beautifully done from fucking Watanabe. She is such a tiny little fucking contender, man. Uh, I genuinely hope they get some good matchups for her in the future. She's fun as shit to watch. Another one this is another one of the situations where I fucking hate being right, but God damn it. There's a little just right there. Um, we say it all the time when there are siblings that compete in the same sport, generally the talent is not divided equally contrary to what the siblings might try to tell you side by side in an interview uh, performance generally dictates otherwise. Uh, I have been saying for a long time that Fabian Edwards is the one of the two Edwards brothers with the more talent. Unfortunately, he proved me right this weekend by putting Leota Machida quite thoroughly out to pasture in what effectively may be his last fight ever. And this is one of those situations that we talk about all the time where when a legend, a legitimate fucking legend like Leota fucking Machida is running out of places to go, even if he wants to keep contending, which he shouldn't. Where can you even put him at this point? Because even though he keeps saying, quote unquote, the fire is still there. You watch Fabian hit him with seven of those fucking elbows throughout that fight. He was not hiding him. He was not masking him. He wasn't disguising them behind a smooth one, two, not to take anything away from Fabian, but those Edwards or those elbows rather by Edwards were thrown broad fucking daylight, clear as day, straight up the fucking middle. And every one of them landed. And the last one that did, you saw 
literally turned Leoto's legs into fucking Play-Doh and he got all kinds of wobbly and then it was all fucking done. And now he risks ending his professional MMA career on another horrible fucking knockout, knockout stoppage. That's not what we want to fucking see. And I get that he's talking about possibly doing some combat karate now and shit, but that's not going to change what we just saw this weekend. And what we saw this weekend is potentially going to be the cement that capstones his MMA legacy. Anti-Paul Daly did, <laughs> for lack of a better comparison in retrospect. <sighs> But that being said, when it comes down to that main event, it I wish I could bet lottery numbers as good as I can call some of these fucking fights because MVP came out and did exactly what we always say MVP will try to do because that's all he knows how to do, and that's be a flashy asshat. And the problem is that that only works against soup cans and fucking pizza delivery drivers. Anybody with any kind of legitimate defense and fight IQ sees most of his bullshit coming a mile away, a.k.a. Douglas Lima and the stanky leg heard around the fucking world. And then again this weekend, now for an interim title, Logan Storley came in and just like we said last week, Logan Storley, while he has hands, what he really has is wrestling in fucking spades. And we all know that if you get MVP to the ground and you can hold him there, he cries like a bitch and whines, but he doesn't do anything. He's incapable of putting offense from the ground. He's incapable of putting up enough defense to stop you from getting him to the fucking ground. So guess what Logan Storley did for five fucking rounds? He put MVP on his ass and he wrung him out like a fucking wet blanket and surprise surprise oh wait no it's really not at the end of the judge's decision logan fucking storley is now the interim title holder over in that bellator division so i wish i could say that i understand mvp's immediate fucking cry bitch and whine about how quote-unquote logan story didn't come to battle he came to point well bitch he pointed your ass out of a title fight so maybe you should have fucking game plan better or study a little harder on what he was going to do if you knew so well he wasn't coming in to fight hey guess what point fighting wins fights if you don't want to fucking actually fight and just do dumb shit i'm just saying exactly let him bitch fuck him and good on Storley to shut that piece of shit out. Because look, Storley is, to be honest, a fucking toucan nobody. But fucking outpointed him. Well done, yeah. sir. Yeah. Shows absolutely. just what a piece of shit MVP is and why he doesn't belong being shoved down people's throats. Absolutely. If, if a little old fucking podcast like ours can call clear as day exactly what Logan Storley's fucking game plan was enough that it, we literally watched it play out for 25 fucking minutes and get him the belt. How the fuck can MVP's corner not have thought the same goddamn thing and trained him to stop that exact thing from happening? You know, I think the worst, the worst part of thinking about that MVP is kind of like Voldemort was to it was to the UFC that that's Scott Coker's let me shove this down your throat whether you say no or not right 
as it was for Dana White to shove Voldemort down everybody's throat, whether we liked it or not. Eventually, he's going to get to the point where he's going to go, you know, we just got to cut this piece out. Yeah, the value finally diminishes. The problem is it takes so fucking long to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, because what, did it take us three years or four years for him to Almost cut him? four Voldemort? years. Oh, and they, fucking years at that. So, and then Coker <laughs> keeps feeding fucking MVP soup cans. So, right. And then good. Coker himself in the post fight press conference came out and started crying on behalf of MVP immediately. Is it? I don't understand what those judges saw. I didn't, I'm not going to dispute their decision, but I don't agree with what they said. Like, come on, Scott, your fucking money machine just got steamrolled. Like, anyone with half a brain paying attention saw what was going to happen. Plan the game better, buddy. <laughs> if you want to fucking make a money machine, turn fucking Corey Anderson or fucking Nemkov or something like that. Right. There's plenty of guys over there that can be a money machine. Move away from MVP. Look, if you want a fucking money machine soup can grinder or aluminum can collector, yeah, that's probably him, but he's just an aluminum can collector. He's nothing more than that. You might get 30 cents a pound for it if on a good day. <laughs> The way I look at it, if Scott Coker legitimately has as much faith and conviction in MVP as he portrayed this weekend after that judge's decision was read, I think there's a fairly easy solution since we already know that Logan Storley is going to be fighting Yaroslav Amosov when he gets back from the insanity taking place over in Europe right now. Uh, that means that there is at the very least several months between now and when MVP gets another potential title shot. So if he's so confident that he's that good, line him up with the number two contender. Next week, he said he clearly didn't take any damage, so it should be no issue getting cleared. Line him up for another one. Let's get him right back in line. Let him knock out number two and maybe even number three while they handle that interim unification bullshit and prove to us that you really are the number one. So by the time that that number one spot opens back up, it's clearly yours. And then you go immediately in and fight for that title. Otherwise. Yep. I'm in favor of that. Otherwise, no matter what. (laughs) I don't give a fuck whether if he's the number one contender or not. Just keep his mouth shut, please. No. I I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, but, um, there there's people go to prison for shoving stuff down people's throats and up their asses while without their consent. Right. I kind of feel like that right now. Like I should be pressing charges. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. All all I'm saying is it's a good thing for uh MVP that Yaroslav is over. Uh, taking care of the uh, military business overseas. Otherwise, he better take his fucking Rolex off and not go to any restaurants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that being said, uh, bounce back over to the UFC side of things from last weekend. <sighs> I got to say, overall, it, it was genuinely a, a fairly decent card overall. Individually, there was some heads shaking fuckery afoot um, right out of the gate. Right out of the goddamn gate. Uh, White Diaz came out sloppy as shit, and the commie grabbed his fucking neck and just wrapped him up and put him to fucking sleep. Dude, um, he props to Petrovsky for the grip. 
because that was not a traditional grab on how he locked that fucking neck up. And he got it so fucking solid that Maximov had no chance to react. So, like, I make a point of saying, credit where credit is due, regardless of how you feel about a communist, that fucking lockup was smooth as shit. I don't see him pulling that off again on 99.9% of the rest of the UFC. But, hey, enjoy that moment, son. Enjoy that moment. (laughs) You know... I'll say this. Maximum absolutely shit the fucking bed on that one. Yes, yes, he did. Like, he literally had a fucking platter in front of him on somebody who I, to be honest, I think Dana White is trying to push because he's given him a couple of fucking soup cans. And I say soup cans loosely. Like, they gave Gilmore a second shot when he, after coming in on short notice for fucking, or fucking whatever the fuck that was. But then... He gets a, a Yelzong who's fucking uh, absolute nobody. He gets a win there. And now a Maximoff who's not a bad fighter. He's not great by any means. Right. But because he's associated with the Diaz brothers, that gives him a little fucking momentum and steam. I have a feeling this is going to be another one of those guys that we're going to see way more of than we actually want to. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you on that for sure. Um, Unfortunately, I do think we're going to get that crammed down our fucking throat for the foreseeable future. Yep, no, because Maximov shit the bed. Yeah, because stylistically, on paper at least, Maximov should have been able to show up and just have a fucking field day with Petrovsky, knowing that he's got no gas tank past the middle of the first round really he dies in the second and cannot survive even crawling across the cage in a round three so you could ragdoll the fuck out of him real easily for a jujitsu guy who's got stamina you could have fun with that fucking clown but no came in too fucking sloppy came in too fucking cocky and you let that fucking douchebag have his way with you so now we got to watch this fucking clown get pushed again Thanks. Thanks. Don't get me wrong. If you're a betting person, bet on Petrowski in the first round because he blows his load in the first round and either he wins or he fucking loses. It's a good, it's a good fucking bet to bet a first round victory with him. I mean, you might lose some of them, but on the other side of that, you can make a good bit of money calling first round with him because that's where his, the majority of his fucking wins come from. But absolute fucking. Not the way I was hoping the card started, but hey, it is what it is. Right. Um, that being said, um, Michael fucking Johnson looking smoother than we have seen in a long goddamn time. Beautiful fucking four punch combo put together that just puts Alan Patrick on what the fuck street real quick. And there's no coming out of it. Just absolute fucking beautiful work. And it seems like he's finally getting his shit together because he was having a real, real rough go at things for a while there. Uh, Michael Johnson was kind of the Derek Brunson of the lightweight division for a little bit there, to be honest. Uh, he was just getting work done by everybody on their way up to the top going past him. So it, it's nice to see Michael Johnson legitimately getting a chance to do what he's capable of doing because he's not a can, despite some of his performances against top tier fucking fighters he's not a bad fighter michael johnson's very fucking capable so it seems like he's 
starting to steer out of the rough patch that he was in because Alan Patrick is no fucking slouch, man. Alan Patrick is a dangerous motherfucker on the come up and Johnson did goddamn work on him. So hats the fuck off to MJ. I was very fucking happy to see that one go down. Oh yeah. That was a nice way to end a four fight fucking skid. Yeah. Damn straight. And good on him. Cause there was a, for people who don't fucking remember, there was a point where fucking, he was a legitimate title contender at one point. Yeah, yeah I mean, he was. So, I mean, it's not like he was far off. I mean, he's fought some of the who's who's of the divisions and fucking beaten a lot of them. I mean, you got to remember, if we go back to, what was it, fuck, six years ago, he beat fucking Dustin Poirier at one point. Yep. Fucking KO'd him in the first fucking round. <laughs> beat the brakes off of Poirier, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the dude's a legitimate badass. I mean, there's no doubting that. He just fell on a really shitty set of fucking circumstances as far as how it, his last couple have gone. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, remember, he's been in the UFC for, what are we going on, 10, 11 years now? Oh, yeah. I was Something like that. Plus easily, yeah. So Michael Johnson's been around for him. He's in fucking grip. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's an absolute fucking he's an old dog right now. And I'm not saying he's that fucking old because he's really not, but at the same time. <laughs> and we're pushing that 36 mark. So technically he's in that age category where you should be yeah. having your good peak right now. So maybe this is his turnaround to make that come up again. It, it wouldn't be a bad time to do it, man, with everything as crazy at 55 right now as it is. A becoming a standout in that division could be a real good thing in the very near future if you've been watching some of the rumor mills churn lately. So hell yeah, because there's some wild shit going on there in the rumor mills. Yeah, there's some shit getting talked about that we're not gonna bring up on the show because it's still pretty far out there at this point but there's some fucking yeah there's some sites out there where you could see some interesting word of mouth going around some unsigned agreements if you will that are pretty fucking interesting coming up in the near future that being said though um i think this weekend we might have seen at least in recent times the first that i can remember where a cornerman has cost a fighter a bonus. Uh, Andrea Lee legitimately fucking brought it this weekend. And despite that, Viviani Arujo was that much better. And in my opinion, those girls had fight of the goddamn night. That was the most exciting 15-minute window of the entire event, in my opinion. But the problem comes in with Andrea Lee's choice of cornermen and significant others, who in oh, both situations sorry. where her problems have arisen, both men have been both for her. Uh, previously, where her husband had a giant fucking swastika tattoo that she tried to downplay uh, before his murder sentence and then subsequent fucking jail time. Uh, and now her new significant other, Tony Kelly, known scumbag, in the middle of the fight, blurts out some of the most openly ignorant racist bullshit with a fucking camera pointed right in his face that you could get away with saying while he's fighting said stereotype people. Like, you stupid motherfucker. If you want to be racist, 
do it at home. Don't do it out in fucking public. Not when there's a camera on you. Not when anyone has to listen to your ignorant stupidity. Because that fight was the best 15, in my opinion, of the evening. But that comment outshined everything that happened in that goddamn fight. And that's not fair because that's a $100,000 fuck up that Tony Kelly just cost those girls, in my opinion. Hell yeah. Not to mention, uh, Ava, tell me one thing. I really, really hope that the next fight that they put him in is with the fucking Brazilian, and that Brazilian whips his fucking ass up and down. Already booked in with Adrian Yanez. Uh, Twitter lost its fucking mind. Uh, Gilbert Burns offered a free $50,000 bonus to Adrian Yanez for his next fight if he gets the knockout during that match. Gilbert Burns immediately put the 50K bounty up for Tony Kelly's fucking consciousness. Adrian Yanez, like the classy motherfucker that he is, says, don't worry, champ. This one's on the house. I hope he beats the ever-living shit out of him and puts that motherfucker in a hospital. Because to mm. be honest, I don't generally wish ill on any fighter, no matter what kind of poor life choices they make. But there are a few of them where you there's shit you have coming to you. And to be honest, it's time to pay the fucking piper on this one. Yeah. I will not be sad when Adrian Yanez puts the fucking bricks to Tony Kelly's stupid fucking face. And as um, to put it as a rattlesnake once said, I will stomp a mud hole in your ass and walk it fucking dry. Damn right. And no one's going to be sad to see it. Yeah. That being said, disappointing as it was to ruin a great fucking fights moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, honestly, for my money, uh, Alan Nascimento was not nearly living up to the hype that he had thrust on him coming into this fight. For having the the champion in your fucking corner, for the blonde dude, for all the fucking hype train that was supposed to be rolling, you come from BJJ fucking royalty, essentially. Like, you should have been able to come in here and just do work. And little old Jake Hadley was like, nah, bitch, you take that blonde ass back a step because we're going to fucking work for the 15 full minutes here this evening. Um, Jake Hadley just would not be outdone. Like, there's no quit in that tiny little motherfucker. He is the angriest chihuahua you ever goddamn saw. Like, that motherfucker was just, yeah! A whole fucking time uh, wasn't very effective with some of it, but relentless is all fucking get out. And I honestly was more excuse me, disappointed by Nascimento than anything in that fight. It's surprising. When it, well, it's not surprising because you know what? All those guys who get thrust into that spot where they go, oh, they expect all of this shit to happen. I think the expectations were a little too high for him. They tried to push him, uh, inflate him a little bit more than what he needed to be at this point. I mean, to be honest, right now, he's still at the fucking entry level fucking position, in my opinion. After that showing, yeah, you have enough to be in the UFC, but not enough to be anywhere near a number. No, no, I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, and who knows? Maybe we just had a fucking off night for him. And if that's the case, 
prove it to us in your next couple fights. I was going to say, just you're going to get another couple. chance. Yeah, you're going to get more chances for sure off of that. Yeah, yeah. you so. get a win, you get another chance. That's how that fucking works. Yeah. But, you know, do something fucking spectacular to show us, hey, yeah, you deserve that fucking hype that they were trying to push. Yeah, earn, yeah, exactly. Earn all the fucking entourage of fucking hype that they were putting on you. We'll see. Um, that being said, Manuel Torres. Holy shit. Um, Frank Camacho is a tough son of a bitch, man. And Manuel Torres was like, you know what? No, no, we're not doing this. Uh, dink! And put Camacho flat on his fucking ass with a very fucking clean shot. Um, for whatever reason, Camacho came in and just wasn't doing anything defensive. He was all rushing. And when he wasn't rushing forward, his hands were at his side. There was almost no guard. There was almost no defensive movement. It was like he thought he was going to be able to just come in and bull rush this fucking young guy. And that's rarely ever a good idea. And Manuel Torres was like, let me show you why that's stupid and put him down for it. Props to fucking Torres. (laughs) You know, Frank Camacho is one of those guys I thought had a lot of potential at one point. But where he's at in his career right now, to be honest, I think he needs to start thinking about hanging him up. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. What, the, the, what potential might have been there? There was a there was a couple of fights where I saw I was like, God damn, he's got some potential. But it's never arisen to anything. And he's been knocked out three, four times now, submitted a couple of times. I'm going, it's time, dude. Think about your long-term health. Go fucking coach somewhere, man. Do something like that. Um Think about the rest of your life because continuing to get beat up by guys that are on the come up. It's not a good look, man. Not a good fucking look. Don't get me wrong. He's had a couple of decent wins, but nothing to write fucking home about. Like it's, it's, it's time for him to start thinking about hanging him up. And as much as I love watching a tomorrow fight, that is not fucking, that is not the one. Right. No. Just weirdness. But that being said, um, Amanda came out. Amanda Hebus came out and was putting it fucking down. She was giving Caitlin Chukakian everything she could fucking handle. But the judges, for some reason, decided that they were going to give a split decision to Chukagian, which, like we all anticipated, made her immediately think that she should get another title shot. So I, I don't agree that Caitlin won. I don't agree that even if she had won, that performance should get her another title shot. But clearly, the UFC doesn't pay that much attention to what our little podcast says. That being said, uh, you know what the problem is? Caitlin Chikagan is the epitome of Holly Holm of the flyweight division now. Sure, the fuck is, dude. Lose one, win one, two, get another title shot. Yep. And never stand a chance in any of the fucking top contention shots. Nope. But, anyways. Um, Davey fucking Grant. You want to talk about somebody who made the most of their goddamn weekend? 
Davy fucking Grant. Not only did Davy Grant go out in less than a minute and put Luis Smoka on his fucking ass, but then he flies immediately back to England to go take place in his take part rather, excuse me, in his coach's wedding ceremony where he proceeds to get so drunk he strips down to his underwear and stage dives off the 25-foot bar onto the bride's party to be caught in crowd surf back to fucking sanity, I would assume, because that's I'm, what everybody I'm not going to lie. That, <laughs> I, I wanted to live vicariously through him for that fucking weekend. That's, yeah, that's a great like, fucking weekend, man. Who had a better weekend than Davey Grant? <laughs> There's nobody. I'm <laughs> telling you, his coach is never going to forget that fucking wedding. No, not in a million years. No, sir. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, no, we, we said it. Smoka is, is – I'll be surprised if he's still in the UFC roster come the end of this week. Um, if so, it's only going to be to feed to some new up-and-coming soup cans because – we all saw this coming and props to Davy Grant for knowing exactly what to do and then doing it. Yeah. You don't get paid by the minute you get paid by the fight. So make it as short as you can. And he did. That being said, um, I don't remember the last time we saw quite a I don't even know how to phrase it as unique, I guess would be the best way to put it of a submission as how Ryan Spann grabbed Ian Kuntalaba's giant fucking neck. Um, not that we ever had any delusions that Kuntalaba was great defensively, but Spann just noped him the fuck right out. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done. <laughs> now, the problem comes with the main event here. We've got another one of those situations like we had last summer in the Poirier-McGregor rematch where, yeah, we get some of a fight, but then we have a catastrophic injury. In this situation, uh, Alexander Rakich grabs his knee and drops to the ground. There's clearly something going on. The fight is called a TKO on behalf of Jan Blahovich from round three, a little over a minute in. Um, understandably, obviously, Rakich is hurt. He can't continue. You know, there's nothing else you can do at that point. But um, Unfortunately, not the result we wanted, but kind of like we talked about in the Caitlin situation, uh, not that I'm anti-Yan in any stretch of the imagination, but that performance, Jan Blahovich turned around and said he wants to get the title shot back to get a chance to potentially run it back with Glover or a chance to go at Yuri if Yuri gets past him. And I'm not opposed to Jan getting another title shot and, at all. I, I think it was a strange fight the way that his and Glover's fight went to begin with. I'm not opposed to them running that back. Should Glover get past Yuri at all? My issue is that he's going to make that call off of this performance. Very similar. And if you go back, I said the same fucking thing when Dustin Poirier was trying to make fucking call outs with Conor McGregor on the fucking ground with his leg in pieces. 
that's a, that's kind of a scumbag fucking move. I don't care what you've done prior to that. That moment is not anything that you directly did. And, and especially in this situation where we came to find out that much like in the McGregor situation, he had an issue with his leg. I think they said four weeks out in camp. And then here, uh, Alexander Rakich's coach said, and Rakich says in the ring while he's on the ground, the same thing happened to me three weeks ago, but not this bad. Yeah, and you know, that's a it's a weird situation. Don't get me wrong. You know what happened to your knee three weeks ago. You could have said something and said, "Hey, maybe we should um, check this out to see if it's going to be a problem." Because look, it, as much as I can't call it a scumbag move to call him up, make his touch shot while he's on the ground like that. Because if you did, like when I went back and I rewatched it. He did have some pretty fucking gnarly leg kicks going on in there, which ended up leading to that. I think there is like 15, 16 in total, and you don't need that many for a fucking knee injury with leg kicks. And if it was already compromised, he's lucky it fucking held out that long. Because if it happened three weeks prior to the fight, it was fucking compromised, period. Knees don't heal up that fucking quickly. Case in point, yourself. You know this. So, yeah, I know very so, well how that goes. <laughs> it's something that he probably should have had checked out and said, you know what? I hate to do this, but maybe we need to cancel the fight, rebook it. And different story. But you know what? Like a true fighter, fuck it. Suck it up. Let's go. And my head is off to Rakich for that, but also a really stupid move, especially when you're at this high of a level, this close to being able to fucking call for title shots. Sometimes you have to think the long term versus look a little further. This little short one fight window. Guess what? This one fight window could have been moved out six weeks. Wouldn't have been a fucking problem. Oh, yeah. No, that wouldn't have been an issue at all. I'm sure they would have gladly thrown this in the International Fight Week in July because that was a really good fight that had a lot of fucking potential. And to be honest, the fight was pretty good up until that point. Damn good. Yeah. So, I mean, it it could have went either way had it gone the whole five rounds. But coming in on a fucking injury, man, that's kind of a... Sh- I don't want to call it a stupid move because there are a lot of fighters that do it. But every fight starts standing, and if your base gets fucked up... Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we've seen a lot of fights stopped with leg kicks and leg kick injuries, and kick anything to the lower half of the body. There's been a lot of them, whether it's freak injuries or just somebody chopping the shit out of the legs. Your legs got to be fucking strong because that's where all the fights start. And even go back to, let's go back to, was it uh, Roxanne Matafari and fucking, uh, what's her goddamn name? Fucking blows her fucking knee out in the middle of the fight. She didn't quit yeah. fighting, but once what your base is gone, you're fucked. Yep. That's yeah, all there is to it. And, gone, I, I, and I don't, I don't think it's just, to be honest, what I don't think Poirier, or Blahovich are wrong for fucking making their call outs. You win. No matter how that blo- turns out, it's a fucking W. Make whatever call outs you want. Shit happens. This is the fight game. I don't see a fucking problem with it. It's not like he was rubbing his fucking nose and he's like, all right, hey, this fight's over. I've gotten the W. It's time for me to make call outs. Oh, the Poirier one, maybe there was a little nose rubbing, but you know. I was going to say, Poirier opened his with Connor's a scumbag and he deserves what he gets. That's. 
That's yeah. a little, yeah. little more than Jan did. Yeah. But yeah. Jan wasn't quite that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't the <laughs> best Jan Blachowicz interview we've ever seen. Right. But right. then again, I, I'm not mad at him for it, though, because it really wasn't that bad. Like, uh, in comparison to some really shitty Octagon interviews we've seen, right. that was pretty right. fucking mild, to be quite honest. So yeah. I can't go the full route of um, scumbag ish, but, you know, at the same time, Rakic kind of knew what he was getting into if he already had a compromised knee. So I, it is what it is. And Bohovic didn't know he had a compromised knee because God knows you weren't going to tell your fucking opponent that. So yeah, no he shit. just happened to do the right thing, throw some leg kicks, and one of them hit the fucking money to make that shit happen again, only in a worse way. And I wish Rakic a very speedy recovery because the dude's a fucking right. fantastic fighter. But, I mean, knee injuries can be fucking... Can be honest, they can completely fuck up the rest of your career, especially yeah, as a fighter. Fuck up the whole rest of your life. Yep. So I, I wish him all the best. Thank God it happened. Like the injury itself took place in the cage and not during practice. Otherwise, he'd be paying for it. Now the UFC is going to pay for it. Pay to, to get him rehabbed and everything. So yeah, there is that. Which I mean, maybe yeah, that's I was, why. Yeah, I was gonna say, if there's a silver lining, <laughs> that would be it for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> it, 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 that shit's not cheap, man. Especially if you're going mm-hmm. to a really good fucking mm-hmm. sports surgeon, because you know, goddamn good and well, because of where he was at and how close he was to a title shot, the UFC is going to want to get him back in there in the mix again. They're so they're going to pay the yeah. best fucking orthopedic surgeons they can find, get the yep. best PT they can find. They'll make sure he's back on fucking straight and narrow. So, I mean, yeah, there's that definitely a weird way to end the card. I like when I was watching it back, went, fuck, this could have gone so many different ways and it could have been so fucking exciting. Instead, it was exciting, just not for the reason we wanted it to be exciting. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I I was fully expecting Polish power, but not Polish blowout knee power. Right, yeah, not not in the way that it eventually manifested. <laughs> Although, again, don't tell him he has a problem with his small feet. Right, good lord, don't tell him he's got tiny feet. <laughs> that was after I rewatched that. Was my first thought. I'm like, I'm a fucking morbid, terrible individual. <laughs> and I laugh at it every time I see it. I'm like, well, feet don't look small to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said though wish him all the best man i really do risk yeah jan well and the fucked up thing is is that in round one jan got caught with a shot that tore his fucking eye that he had to undergo surgery for yesterday where they had to put a fucking a literal tube down into his tear duct for like i think he said 48 hours or something like that or 36 or 72 hours for a couple days basically to let it heal the shape of the eye yeah Yeah, so it it caused both of those men for damn sure Um, although i think um who's getting the best of that situation apparently on because he's having fun on the drugs Right, yeah, they Which give me very strong scary, drugs, and I like that. <laughs> kind of a scary thought, because I'm like, please, dude, don't get attached to that shit. Because, look, you're a big boy, but it takes a lot of that drug to manage somebody oh, your size. Sure, just don't get addicted, man. Please don't get addicted, because I don't want to see you fuck up your career like John Jones. Yeah, no shit, right? But 
for whatever reason, somehow, some way, uh, we did actually get the traditional pair of fight of the night bonuses and a fight of the night, or excuse me, pair of performance of the night bonuses, and then a fight of the night bonus for this card, albeit a little bit strange on how they gave them out, as we alluded to earlier. Um, performance of the night makes perfect fucking sense. Um, Manuel Torres for putting Frank Camacho the fuck out in serious fashion understandably and then ryan span for choking ian kutalaba the fuck out with that weird nope choke understandable as well my problem comes in when we talk about the fight of the night which as i mentioned earlier should have fucking been viviani rujo versus andrea lee but thanks to one stupid fucking asshole cornerman ended up being Chukagian versus Hebus. And not to say that Chukagian versus Hebus was a bad fight. It just, in my opinion, wasn't better than Rujo versus Lee. But when you have a scumbag in your corner who doesn't understand how to hold his fucking tongue, he will literally cost you and your opponent 50 grand each. So maybe make better choices. <laughs> that being said, uh, that'll bring us into our news and event segment here. We had a couple of interesting fight announcements I want to run down real quick. A couple of interesting fight announcements, or excuse me, a couple of interesting non-fight announcements we're going to run through, and then we'll kick into this weekend's fun times. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The first one, uh, we did get confirmation this afternoon. Ray Kitch did, in fact, completely blow out his ACL uh, in the fight against Blahovich and is undergoing full ACL replacement surgery. They're not taking any chances. Uh, it was confirmed the ACL is done. They are completely going, excuse, excuse me, completely redoing it. He is undergoing surgery as we speak. Um, next one here. Uh, Floyd Mayweather was originally going to put on a boxing exhibition on a helipad that they were going to be calling Boxing in the Sky. Well, sadly, the helipad is no longer available, but they did manage to save the event itself, and they are still going to keep the Floyd Mayweather Boxing Exhibition card taking place this weekend in Dubai with Floyd Mayweather headlining and Anderson Silva taking on Bruno Machado in the co-main event legitimate good boxing match to watch for Anderson Silva here. Not really that excited for anything Floyd could potentially do and not really anything exciting other than that, but it is another thing that is taking place this weekend. Wanted to make sure folks know about it. Cause if nothing else, that Anderson match will be worth keeping an eye out for, I think. Well, definitely something worth watching. I mean, at least it'll give you something interesting. You're going to see a couple of good fighters. And I mean, it is, to be honest, I'm thoroughly in the fights that I've watched now of Anderson boxing. I'm actually enjoying them because he's still got that Anderson fucking style. Yeah, but it's just man. it's just boxing versus the full MMA gambit, which, to be honest, for him is nice. He ain't going to worry about breaking a fucking leg again, which is fucking great. And to be honest, his boxing style is fucking, it's fucking cool to watch. Yeah. Man's got fucking hands for damn sure. Now he's got no threat of kicks, no threat of fucking takedowns, no threat of elbows. Anderson's still fucking very capable, man. So yeah, 
I'm, I'm very curious well. to see how this is going to play out. Um, next one here. Um, long story short, Manel Cape does steroids. Um, he got popped this last week for the M3 metabolite, the same exact M3 metabolite that John Jones got popped for. Uh, they are calling it just exactly like John Jones, a quote unquote pulsing incident in that he is not currently on the steroid. But the fact that it is pulsing means at some point in his career, fairly recently since it diminishes uh he has taken the m3 metabolite or excuse me taken the steroid that breaks down into the m3 metabolite so at some point manel cape took steroids and didn't get caught he did however get caught on the downward side of the cycle out in a pulsing just so happened to be that he was within that picogram range that John Jones set precedent for. So they are going to let him keep his fight and UFC 275 in Singapore next month. Goddamn picograms. Once again, we are haunted by a fucking picogram of the M3 metabolite, which regardless of the fact that it means they're not on it now, confirms at some point they took steroids it's the only way to get the m3 metabolite in your fucking body you take the steroids they break down and produce the m3 metabolite you might be clean now but it means at some point you were fucking dirty you bastard that being said a couple of interesting announcements coming up here ufc 276 I'm kind of surprised they waited this long to announce it. Makes sense to be on there. Jylan Turner getting back in, taking on Brad Quake Rydell. Only makes fucking sense with Izzy in there. The whole fucking crew is going to be there. It just makes sense to put Quake on the damn card. And versus Jylan Turner, that's a great fucking match. Dude, that's going to be a fantastic fight because... Oh, Tarantula has been on an uptick lately, and hair right now, yeah. It, that's a fucking tall task for Quake, man. To be quite honest, literally. with which literally has been gone, and I mean that in both literally, figuratively, because he's a tall <laughs> motherfucker. But you know, it's gonna be a fun fucking fight to watch, just purely on the stylistically side of the house on how those two fight makes it very interesting. Fuck yeah, there's something to be said about a six foot four lightweight. <laughs> he's a natural lightweight he doesn't cut much to get there he's naturally a 55er that's fucking insane and the fact that he knows how to use that fucking size makes him legitimately dangerous but quaking no fucking slouch man. Man. yeah quaking no fucking slouch so i'm very fucking stoked for that fight on international fight week yes please i'm here for that sign me up um following up to that two weeks later july 16th card Jack Shore gets back in there trying to capitalize on that London heat hype, uh, taking on Ricky Simone in what I am telling you right now is probably his toughest challenge of his career. So good luck, Mr. Shore. You are going to fucking need it. Uh, that is a great fucking fight for that middle of the month card, though. Hell yeah. And it's going to be an exciting one, too. I bet that's Fuck yeah. There could be some definite fireworks think- at that. I think that's the Austin card, if I remember right. Because the next card after that is the London card. 
Yeah. And then the Dallas card is the end of the month for the pay-per-view. So, yeah, I think that's the Austin card. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Um, then we got a couple here that were last-minute announcements. They're all out of fucking chronological order, which drives me insane. Um, June 25th, the other Aussie coming in, Carlos Olberg getting back in there. Blackjack trying to make a fucking run back at it here. Taking on Tafon and Chukwi, who is coming off of a fucking vicious knockout that he laid out. So good luck, Carlos. I hope you've been fucking training that guard because it's clearly been an issue in some of his earlier fights. And this could be a fucking photocopy of everything we've seen from him leading up to this point. But we'll see. Uh, UFC 275, June 11th in Singapore. It turns out Andre Felio was not bullshitting. He did, in fact, get a knockout and then a fight locked in for the next pay-per-view. He is going to Singapore, and he's taking on Jake Matthews at UFC 275. So, I mean... You can't say he didn't fucking earn it, but man, is that a hell of a fucking turnaround and a weird situation to take it in. Yeah. There's some interesting shit coming down the pipeline in these next couple of months, (laughs) that's for sure. That's Yeah, that's a short amount of time. Literally half a fucking globe traveling and just... You know, props. Props to Andre Felio. Those fucking... Those Sanford MMA boys are making a splash. I'm fucking telling you now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, another one here. I didn't even fucking realize this when I was writing it down because it grew to the last minute. Uh, for that July 16th Austin card, the Battle of the Bills. Billy Quarantillo versus Bill Algio. That's going to be such I a mean, banger. We had the Neil on Neil violence. We've got the baddest Hoffa in the business. Like I am all in on the battle of the bills as well here. That's a fucking great matchup. I think. Oh, that ha- that one has fucking fight of the night written all over it. Yep. Yep. Yes, it does. <laughs> Neither one of those two have boring fights. Right. Yeah. They're both allergic to it for damn sure. Um, Oh, and then we got a final destination date, if you will. Uh, August 6th, Smiling Sam Alvey gets his wish granted by Dana Make-A-Wish White. Uh, His final MMA battle where he will retire, win or lose of the outcome will be August 6th against Michael Alexicek. So they're not giving him an easy way out by any stretch of the imagination. There's a genuine good chance he might get knocked the fuck out in his last fight under the UFC banner and the last fight ever as a pro. But, you know, I I will say props to Dana for giving Smiling Sam the chance to retire as a UFC fighter, giving him that one last chance. I don't know many other guys who went on a seven-fight losing streak and kept their job. You know, part of that was for him. Because he was always a company man of, oh, you need a short t- short term fighter. Yeah, I'll take it. And there, don't care who it is, don't care where it is. I'm there. You know what's a bummer is he had the right kind of attitude for the sport as far as like the kind of person you wanted to see in there and do well. The unfortunate part is he never did well. 
There was or a couple. You just got the talent. Yeah, there was a couple times where I was like, "Oh, he didn't look bad that fight, and he barely won. Awesome." And the rest of it, just shit in the bed after shit in the bed after shit in the bed. Still smiling though. Yeah. Fuck, can't be mad at a guy for that. I really can't. To be honest, I hope he wins on his retirement fight, but chances are it's not gonna fucking happen. Yeah, Although, no, I I would love to see him catch a W on his fucking way out, but. Based on that seven fight losing streak and Alexa check, yeah, chances are good. It's a big ass, yeah. Better be the best camp of his fucking life. (laughs) No shit, right? Oh, but um, August 13th, the next week after that, we got a pair of announcements for that are both very interesting, in my opinion. Uh, Sarah McMahon and her heavy wrestling ass. Welcoming Aspen Lad back to 135 if she can make weight. Um, I'm interested in that one because Sarah McMahon is going to fucking throw her around no matter what she steps on that scale at. Sarah McMahon's a wrestling broad, man. She'll rag all the piss out of Aspen Lad. Yeah, she better have her shit together. For Somebody's days. feet are going to touch the ceiling and it's not going to be McMahon's. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that has a very good possibility of being a very similar match on that same August 13th card, Gerald Mearshard, GM3, stepping in to take on Bruno Silva. Um, Silva is basically the latest Brazilian knockout artist, but as most Brazilians has a decent jiu-jitsu and wrestling background, so it's going to be interesting to see what GM3 can do there, but being as how Mearshard is a fucking monster though i'm pretty confident he's he's got a good chance it's a that's a tough fight for him though it really is yeah it's it's a hard one um here we go uh september 3rd we got confirmation now robert whitaker versus marvin vittori is officially locked in uh it's another one that's been churning through the rumor mill it's, it's a go now. It's finally locked in September 3rd in a yet undesignated location because UFC is still trying to see where they're going to be able to slide a card in later on. the year. Um, we had an interesting one this last weekend that I don't know anyone that actually covered uh, the ABCF fighting organization put on their ABCF fighting 23 card this last weekend, which was headlined by a three, three minute round match of wheelchair MMA. A former world-class karate master and a former world-class jujitsu master, excuse me, jujitsu master who one was injured in a car accident and paralyzed from the waist down. The other was injured in a gunfight where he was shot in the spine and paralyzed from the waist down, put on a set of four ounce fucking gloves, locked their fucking wheelchairs together in the center of an octagon and quite literally punched the shit out of each other for nine fucking minutes. Both men were friends outside of the octagon, which is why they agreed to go ahead with this. But both men say that they are absolutely fucking elated that they were a given the opportunity to do this and b celebrated for taking part in it because the crowd went ape shit 
when it was all said and done, which I am absolutely fucking glad to see because they should have. Hell um, yeah. You know this what? is one of those weird situations that I advocate for. Like, I don't want to see a dude sit down in a wheelchair and box, but these two dudes who were both professional fighters before their incidents, getting to get another stab back at it and get that combat life back. Yes. Yes, I am for that. Dude, I'm for it. Anybody who wants to fight should have that ability to be able to fight, no matter the circumstances. Just make sure they're paid up with somebody who is of equal level and if they're disabled, equal disability. By all means, please let that shit happen because you know what? As far as human beings are concerned, fighting is kind of a fucking just a old fucking thing that will never go away. Primal love, man. Yeah, it's a primal fucking instinct to want to fight. At some point in your life, we all go through it. Where we just want to fucking fight somebody. And if you're in that fucking position you want to do it, by all means, please do so. That's why I love seeing fighters like Nick Newell. Fucking genetic disability, but still fucking fights at a fucking really high level. At a pro level, yeah. Fucking yeah. So, I mean, anybody who wants to fight, I don't care if it's in a fucking barstool sports boxing match. By all means, if you want to fight, fight. Right. And yeah. somebody give it out there, fucking do it. Do so. And the best part is that that actually leads us directly into the next story that we were talking about yesterday, uh, taking place this coming, not this next week, but the week after coming up on June 3rd at Icon 3, making his professional MMA, excuse words, MMA debut. That was too many M's the first time. Uh, Bo Nicol coming in to take on John Connor for his debut. Bo Nicol, for those of you who are not familiar, is a Penn State three-time All-American badass motherfucking wrestler who has been training jiu-jitsu for the vast majority of that college wrestling career, uh, even so far as taking on Gordy fucking Ryan in a third coast submission only grappling match, uh, understandably losing like most fucking people of every level do to Gordy Ryan, but he had the balls while competing actively to step in there with the blonde juiced wonder and give it a fucking go. So credit where credit is due. And if this kid has even a 10th of his potential fully put to use, when this comes around, he is going to find himself with a professional organization of the top tier caliber sending a contract and a truckload of fucking money to his house come the following morning i have very little doubt Dude, if he puts on a clinic guaranteed dana is gonna back up a fucking truck to his house and go you know what look at your counter what your counterpart who went to wwe is fucking missing because you know, just saying yeah. it you get that kind of great elite wrestling and then you're doing jujitsu on top of it, you're pretty much there. You just gotta work on your striking a touch. But there are a lot of wrestlers. There's a lot of wrestlers who have naturally good striking, anyways. They just need a little fucking molding. So I mean, it that's I'm really hoping he does well. Cause to be honest, I would love to see him at a really big fucking on a really big card of uh, whether it be 
Bellator managed to somehow snake him from the UFC or the UFC getting him. But either way, that dude has money signs written all over him right now coming out of that fucking three-time fucking NCAA champ. And people's feet are going to touch the ceiling. And as they're touching the ceiling, we might see a flying arm bar in the mix. It's going to be fucking great. Honestly, what I what I think, at least from my two cents, he's already training at ATT on a regular basis. He's training at ATT. What I would say, at least for now, would be my recommendation for him is go out, make light work of John Connor in two weeks, and then sign a contract with the PFL. Go win a million dollars and spend a year showcasing exactly how fucking good you are. And at the end of that year, when you've got that million dollars and a professionally produced resume that the PFL put together for you, now you entertain Scott Coker and Dana White. You put them in a little pit and you throw down a jar of honey and a jar full of red fire ants and you let them fight it out. The winner that climbs out gets to give you a contract. Hell yes. That's actually a fucking brilliant move. However, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think his management team is going to be smart enough to do that. I don't either. I think he's going directly to the fucking UFC. Yeah. Like Scott Coker's going to have to do some sort of ridiculous magic numbers in order to fucking make him go to Bellator. If that's the case. I um, mean, no. If he shits the bed in his pro debut, though, Right. It's, which is possible because, you know, you Absolutely. get that first. But on the other side of that, elite level fucking three-time national champions don't generally shit the bed in those situations because they've already been in that kind of spotlight. They've been in spotlight that's just as big as a fucking UFC main event on a national level of wrestling. They, yeah, those guys are fucking, that's just grinded into them. They're fucking grinders. He'll do well, guaranteed. When we come back next week, mark my fucking words, he wins that match in a landslide fucking victory. Unless he gets knocked out, which there's always the puncher's chance, he wins it in a landslide. No doubt about it. I agree. I agree. Um, That being said, a couple more little quick ones to run down here. Um, First and foremost, um, Tomorrow, or no, I'll say that for last, actually, uh, before we get to tomorrow's talk, um, as if you needed more proof that Ashley Evans-Smith is really a fucking scumbag, um, aside from getting caught literally stealing health supplies and then trying to fucking downplay it, despite it being on camera with audio so you can hear her admitting to doing it while she's doing it, uh, she was just popped hot by USADA for steroids for her second time under the UFC banner. Um, this time she will be taking a full 14 month suspension for it. Uh, and based on her record and now this being the second steroid pop in her career and the bullshit with stealing fucking health supplies on camera with audio admitting to it in the act. I don't know that we're going to see her under the UFC banner much longer either. Bye birdie. Yeah. And uh, good riddance to fucking bad rubbish in that situation. Um, But on a little bit weirder of a note, um, we did get the announcement just this afternoon confirmed 
that on June 4th at WES, one Alexander Overeem will be making his pro wrestling, not Alexander, Alistair, long day, Alistair Overeem, rather, long day, uh, will be making his pro wrestling debut against none other than Braun Strowman. So not only is the Ream going wrestling, but the Ream's going wrestling against top name former talent in a second tier non-WWE organization. Uh, I'm sh- now look, I'm sure they backed a dump truck full of fucking money up to his house. Uh, so make that money, but it, it does not seem like this is a recurring role on the wrestling show program. I don't even know what it's fucking called. Organizational debut on video. I don't, whatever. Uh, It seems like it's a one-off and they're going to give him a big money check to do it. So good for you. Oh yeah. Good on you. Make some money. Right. A little weird, but you know, whatever. Um, But the last one here, um, they are, to their credit, still going to hold on tomorrow. Uh, let me see if I can see what. I believe it starts at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern. I think you're right. It's nine or it's nine or eight Eastern. Because I don't remember if it's seven or eight Central time. Here we go. Um, no. <laughs> oh, we were both so very wrong. Uh, so uh, the one fight championship, one, one, five, seven, which is a hell of a name for an event. Just too many ones in there. Um, was originally scheduled to be a 13 fight card with the flyweight Muay Thai World Grand Prix taking place on it. Uh, And due to the fallout this week of rampant Backstreet Boys reunion tour in Singapore and the vast majority of the world, ironically enough, uh, they have now been dropped down to just three remaining fights. But to Chatri's credit, they're still putting on the goddamn show. So at 4.30 a.m. Eastern time in just a few hours, uh, one championship 157 will be taking place with three of the original <laughs> scheduled bouts still taking place on it. In other words, Oof. If you want to stay up for four <laughs> more hours and then watch three bouts, by all means, be my guest. Otherwise, catch oh, three. Man. Yeah, no, that's that's a tough one, man. That's that's rough. <laughs> I can guarantee you, I'm not staying up for that shit. No, not neither am I. I will I will catch all three of the replays tomorrow. <laughs> exactly, it should take up all of maybe 45 minutes of your time if the fights. Oh are man, long. yeah, no shit. Um, but that being said, that will bring us into our talk for this weekend, which. 
before we go crazy and get full rabid like we generally tend to do and bring in our guests and go crazy uh we generally bring in one other fella here i got before we hop into that i got one other thing that i saw that i thought was very noteworthy um after the korean zombies most recent loss there um title challenging um he did say he was thinking about retiring right away he did it right in the post-fight interview right um i we did get confirmation two days ago from the korean zombie himself via his instagram that he was not going to retire but he is going to make another fight and he's not going to make any long-term plans but he says he will make it one fight at a time now so no retirement out of the korean zombie which i'm glad to see because you know I love the Korean zombie. And to be honest, one setback for him doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, I have also seen um, that Giga Chikadze is campaigning very, very hard to try and get one of the potential last fights from him. So uh, if that happens, I am all fucking for it. That would be a cool fucking matchup as well. If not, we'll, we'll take it as we get it for damn sure. Uh, just thought it was fucking noteworthy because you know it's right. a Korean zombie. Why wouldn't it be noteworthy? Right. So that being said, uh, this is the point where we transition from from our hardcore rabidity of the foaming mouth, the lunatic level, uh, back down to your couch relaxing, normal everyday average fella tuning in for some punchy kicky level and we bring in our favorite casual for the fan favorite segment casual corner here so thank you very much for your time this evening mr avocado how are you doing this evening i'm doing good yeah good deal have a good night i had a good uh, it was a great night the other night right up to the end i mean seriously could have went anyway i was so excited and i saw his knee buckles crap i'm done (laughs) yep it was i think for at least three or four of the last fights on that UFC card, uh, the three of us were within 15 points of each other, 25 points of each other, just in a constant fucking rotation, all the way literally down to the last fight of the card, which was determined by a 15 fucking point adjustment again. It was a fucking <laughs> perfect bonus. Cox. Congratulations, TJ. You got it. <laughs> Uh, but we have got a smorgasbord of fun names to hear you talk about for this weekend's upcoming co-main and main <laughs> event here. So I am very intrigued to hear your thoughts on our co-main and main event coming up for this particular UFC card, Mr. Avocado. Uh, main event, I think Ketlin. I, I feel Ketlin's going to get this one. Really do. I can understand that. Yep. And uh, Santiago for the other that, that's nice. where i feel i just had a uh catlin i'm pretty sure santiago's like eh, probably <laughs> but yeah very casually that's uh my thoughts for this week nice. thank you very much for your time sir much appreciated thank you have a good one guys use well there so I'm not gonna lie i'm highly disappointed that he did not try to say their last names I was I was waiting to hear I was waiting to see if he was going to try and hear and say any of them. That's why I was like, yeah, we got all sides of the names. We yeah, let's see it. Nah, no. Apparently he didn't pick up on the hint. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so uh, moving forward, uh, like I mentioned, in just a couple of hours, if you feel like staying up, um, you have got the uh, 
one FC card remnants uh, to look forward to if you so desire. Uh, if not, uh, you have got the Eagle FC 47 card taking place tomorrow evening, uh, headlined by Junior Dos Santos versus Jorgen De Castro, uh, co-main event Hector Lombard versus Tiago Silva. Uh, that's pretty much the most of the people on that particular card that most folks will know. Um, Gabriel Checo versus Andrew Sanchez. For those of us that are hardcore, it's a bad matchup, but they made it anyway. Uh, Ronnie Marks versus Reggie Pena, just stupid. Fucking Almeida versus Roberts, come on. It's 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 ridiculous, but it, it is indeed punchy kickies. But with that being said, tomorrow evening we'll round out, and then Saturday will bring us back to the glory that will be one of the better pay-per-view. I guess it's it's technically a – it's is it really a, a hangover? Because it's – it's an in-between, in-between cards. We're in a weird fucking spot here. This isn't a post or a pre-pay-per-view card, but it's like it's a, a middle-of-the-middle cards card, and it's not quite like as garbage as either one, but it's not really like a pay-per-view card either. It's it's a weird fucking gray area, so we've got to get into it. So that being said, welcome back, gentlemen. How the hell are you two doing over there? Doing fucking pretty good. How are you guys doing, man? Not too shabby, not too shabby at all. Appreciate you having us back on. Hell yes. Always, always glad to have some folks that know what they're talking about. <laughs> Even a casual can pop in on a time or two here. <laughs> so we have got a very large prelim card stacked with new and up and coming names on here. I'm curious what you gentlemen are interested in terms of some of these up and comer matches on this prelim card. I've looked into a, a few people that I literally out of the prelims knew almost nobody. I think the only name that came to memory was uh, Halton Almeida yep. out of the prelims, but looking into a lot of a lot of these newcomers, uh, Chase Hooper, you know, early on the prelim card. I'm kind of looking, looking forward to his fight. He's been, you know, back and forth since he's gotten into the UFC, but he's still he's young, right? He's 22 yep. years old. Just so, just 22, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see, you know, what he can do. Yeah, um, Jonathan Martinez against Vince Morales. I think that's yeah. going to be a good matchup. So, uh, Jonathan Martinez having a couple knockouts. You know, he's had a couple wins since uh, he got yeah, knocked man. out by Davey Grant. Yep. So, I, I think that's going to be an exciting matchup on the prelims. So, what are you thinking over there, Golfy? Um, to be honest, I'm looking at Chase Super right off the get go. To, the dude's great fucking ground game, but I've been wanting to see some sort of fucking improvement in his stand-up, whether it be some sort of boxing or some sort of kicking. Use his range, because he's a lanky dude. Long fucking dude. dude. Yeah. There is not a goddamn thing wrong with his ground game. There's a reason why he submits people with ease once he gets them to the ground. Like You get onto the ground with him, you better stand the fuck back up. Don't play in his world. <laughs> like to be honest, if he wasn't in the UFC, I would expect him doing some fucking grappling in a silo for Uncle Chael somewhere. You know, I mean, yeah, some submission shit for sure. 
because the dude's grappling is elite level. As far as the UFC is concerned, he's probably one of the greatest jiu-jitsu practitioners that there is right now. Now, the rest of his game, kind of shitty. But because he's so young, he can be fucking molded still. It's just he has to get out of that safety box of where my fucking jiu-jitsu is. And I get it. You get rocked? Yes. Go to your safety world because you can do that shit when you're rocked. But definitely looking at him to see if he's improved his stand-up. I don't need to see his ground game. I already know it's fucking great. And um, I think the other one that really fucking I want to see and see what happens is actually the heavyweights. I want to see how Parker Porter does coming off of his fucking um, little win streak there. And then Almeida, that's a hell of a tough fucking um, run for Porter. And Porter's not a... I'll say it. Porter is a portly motherfucker, <laughs> but he can fight. Now, he's been a decision machine as of late, with the one exception of getting fucking KO'd. And that was by a really great fucking up and coming we've got in the heavyweight division. And he's looked halfway decent, I'll say, lately, but he's been a decision machine. I want to see him get a finish. However, that's a fucking tall order with a fucking Almeida coming in there looking like an absolute fucking animal moving up in the ranks right now. And the, the dude's a fucking, he's a finisher. And that's a scary thought for fucking Porter there. I mean, I'm going from two ends of the spectrum. Itty bitty little tiny motherfuckers down in the featherweight division all the way up to fucking heavyweight. <laughs> Don't me wrong. There's, there's some other standouts in there. Look, Miros Medici. I want to see what the doctor has to do after coming off a loss. And then he's got Omar Morales coming off a loss there as well. And to be honest, there's something about those fucking Serbians that I just find interesting watching them fight because they're kind of like watching fucking those guys from Dagestan. They don't have a fucking stop drive. They just keep going. Yeah, Yeah, there's a couple of them, but I mean, for the most part, I'll say this card is like the hangover's hangover to me is what right? it feels like it like it's not it's a card it's not good but it's not bad either there's a couple of other decent fights especially when you get to the main card where there's some interesting fights there right. i won't see right. they're great for any division or anything but they're right. interesting right. at least well, so that's why we start in the beginning that's why we started to start at the top here we'll work our way there we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i gotta say i i agree uh the the fucking chase super fight is very very interesting because we know how fucking deadly he is if he can get you to fucking ground um, the Jonathan Martinez fight is exciting as fuck because that's another one of those dudes. He's allergic to boring fights. He breaks out fucking punches. He'll get you. Like, you got to watch that motherfucker. Euros Medic is always fucking deadly. He's a fucking crazy, sir. But Morales can put you out from anywhere. Uh, I'm also very curious about the uh, people's pre- premier prelim on this one here. Joseph Holmes is actually Homeless Joe from Dana White looking for a fight that Dana fight uh, Dana signed rather from Colorado last summer, finally getting his chance to actually make his UFC appearance. Not that Amadovsky is any type of fucking world breaker or anything like that, but 
ugly Joe or homeless Joe, whatever you want to fucking call him. They call them both. But his reputation for fighting some of the Colorado soup cans, if you will. And it just so happened to be that the night that Dana was there, they matched him up with one that he looked particularly fucking spectacular against. And there's big money on the hush hush side of things saying he's about to trip over his own dick because he's one of those that he's going to walk into the ring high on his own supply, smelling what he's selling, thinking that he is the world champion and he's never even fought in a fucking UFC before and Amadoski ain't no fucking slouch man like I said he's not a world breaker but he's not a fucking slouch either so we've seen time and time again you walk in too fucking high off your own supply and you end up beating fucking humble pie before the end of the evening so I'm curious to see a lot of that a contender series as a whole exactly but on the other hand, I, I do have to agree with you. Every major MMA organization, in my opinion, needs an 80s B-list movie villain like Parker Porter. Someone with a giant mustache, no fucking shape whatsoever, and the ability to just windmill for 15 minutes in a walrus slap fight. And that is Parker Porter to a fucking T. The problem is that Jaldon Almeida is actually pretty fucking well-rounded for a heavyweight. So if he comes in trying to throw the old walrus slap fight around, he might find himself in big fucking trouble on the other side of that. Almeida's a little sloppy himself. So if he lets one of those giant fucking Parker Porter hands land across his chin, we've seen how quick that'll send the motherfucker to sleep, Bill. I think prelims have some definite, definite fucking potential. And to be honest, that's Having a fucking heavyweight um, on the premier prelim premier going prelim, the main yeah. card, that's a good way to get people to watch the main card. I'm just saying. I mean, I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> with Everybody knows with heavyweights, there's potential that somebody goes to sleep very, you know, very quickly. Uh, possibly yeah. with Especially with Porter in there, yeah. So, that being said, rolling us into the main card itself... Um, again, not full of the most, um, how do I put this nicely, uh, divisionally relevant fights, but still entertainment value galore on this card. I think that's a good way to phrase that. Uh, the opening fight is a perfect fucking example of that. Uh, Tabitha Ricci is coming in with an OnlyFans tour bus sized amount of fucking overhype as a newcomer making her debut against Pollyanna Viana, who we have seen honestly be mediocre at best and inconsistent as all fucking get out. But when she's good, she's real fucking good. So there is at least some potential for this to be an interesting fight. And I think the fact that they matched up the tiny, potentially interesting girls after the giant potential walrus slap fight dudes to get this card rolling together. It, I, I think there's something there. I think this is going to roll in and start us off pretty fucking well. I hope so. Cause to be honest, that fight is not interesting to me at all. I, like when I saw when I really looked at the card and I went, why is this on the main card? I was I was I was a little I was a little thrown off. I was like, I would have much rather seen the heavyweight starting the card off than this bullshit. I I agree. I agree. But to be fair, I would much rather them open the card with the ladies than open the card with your boy Eric Anders versus the Iron Turtle. Yeah. This is another one. Like this fight has every potential to be fun as shit. Like Eric Anders can fucking rock you or gas out. There's no telling. Same with the Iron Turtle. Like, but why is this on the main card? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck is 
doing three fights from the fucking co-main event. Like, this is right there. What are we doing? You know, that's because it's fun for people to say, your boy, you know, the iron turtle. (laughs) To be honest, I have no, I have no faith in your boy at all. Like, Eric Anders is far from having any faith. And Jung Young Park's pretty close in second, but <laughs> you know, um, that's one of those ones where I go, I'm going with that fucking South Korean all day fucking long. Cause to be honest, I wish your boy would fucking, your boy, your ass the fuck out. Cause <laughs> I'm fucking overseeing him in the UFC. He doesn't belong here. I have more faith that Jun Young Park can outlast Eric Anders than. I do faith that Eric Anders could land the shot that could stop the Iron Turtle. So uh, I'm right there with you. I think I think the fucking South Korean takes it home, but I don't. I just don't think it's going to be that fun. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think though that first fight there, it's going to be somewhat of a sleeper. We're not not too interested until we get to those last few fights on the main card. Which hopefully we get surprised by it. Well, and I, I, I will say, despite them not stacking us with a lot of divisionally relevant fights, uh, the the people's co-main, the co and the main event, all three have potential to be very fucking interesting here. Uh, Chidi Njukani versus Dusko Todorovic has got every bit of potential to be a fucking grind fest. Both of those dudes have good wrestling, but both of those dudes have surprising power and can just drop your fucking consciousness to the floor in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I I'm know. Kind of, uh, Chidi knocked out Marc-Andre Beria, right? Yes, he did, man. In yeah, fucking no time flat, yeah. Surprised <laughs> the shit out of me and everyone else, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great fucking showing for him. And his brother is a fucking badass to boot. So it runs in the family being bad motherfuckers over on his side of the family. But then we got those fucking crazy Euro dudes again in fucking Todorovic. That motherfucker is another one. He's allergic to fucking boring fights and he's always fucking going after it. So, yeah, this could be real fucking fun, I think. Dude, I think somebody's going to sleep in that fight. And to be honest, if I'm going to bet money on it, it's probably going to be Todorovic. Namely, because he's either I knock somebody out lately or I get knocked out. There's no happy medium with him. You don't get three good rounds out of him. It's either somebody's going to sleep or he's going to sleep. And I have way more faith in Bang Bang than I do Thunder. I'm just saying, (laughs) you can't outrun a bullet. You can outrun Thunder, though. (laughs) Because if his name was Lightning, I wouldn't be saying it that way, but you know. Right. (laughs) I will say, I am more excited about that fight than I am the co-main event, though. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Michelle Pereira, I'm not going to deny it does have potential to be fucking crazy. My problem is that it doesn't have potential to be crazy in the kind of way that we want to see it as fans. The way that it has potential to be crazy is that Michelle Pereira is a fucking circus clown and he's going to do backflips and stupid capoeira shit in a fucking (laughs) octagon where it has no fucking purpose and it's not going to actually do any damage. And in the event, like we saw last time out, this fucking moron tried that. If you backflip and you land wrong, you actually land an illegal kick to a downed opponent's head, you fucking nimrod. (laughs) 
That dude is an absolute fucking clown. It's it's not just a, a he's not just a circus freak. He's literally the fucking clown. He is the intermission clown that comes out. Yeah, that's he's that fucking guy. Look, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with capoeira and fucking MMA, but in moderation. There, with him, there is no such thing as moderation. And apparently, he doesn't understand. Capoeira was supposed to be an art of hidden martial arts. Not to be in in this kind of setting. No. It was meant for people who don't know what the fuck they're doing and for you to get away from somebody. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. There are some few (laughs) fucking kicks that work very well. Like that repeating spinning fucking heel kick shit that they'll do to back people up. But it rarely to never fucking actually works to finish a fight. Why you're doing that backflips and dude, if you want to be a break dancer, be a fucking break dancer. Right, get some cardboard, throw a fucking bucket out, grab a, a fucking boombox, dude. There's no shame in it. Yeah, no, and look, and then going across Ponzinibbio is fucking he's mediocre at best. He's lucky he's got a fucking number next to his name. I like there's something about him that just doesn't interest me at all this fight being the co-main event kind of fucking stupid and the only reason this one's getting a fucking co-main event is because Ponzinibbio has a fucking number after his name that's it no other fucking reason this does nothing for the division if fucking Michelle wins with his his her fucking bullshit yeah I mean I I think Pereira is a bit of a clown but I think if he stays focused, I mean, we've seen in the past year him get a couple of decent wins against Nico Price, the UFC 264, and then he just beat Fialo, right, earlier on this year. So Fialo's he's doing what he's out. doing. He just got that knockout, and then he's trying to go back to this next pay-per-view. So, I mean, Pereira is a bit of a clown. You guys are right. But he's also beat some serious fighters. So I, I definitely think Ponzinibbio is like like you know Golf D said he's kind of an average fighter you know so I I'm not too excited for the fight but I'll be more excited if Pereira you know brings the clown down right. and just you know goes in there fucking gets knocked out makes it a fight <laughs> you know like. Get a knockout the correct way and leave the clown out of it and show us something decent so that some fans could get behind him a little more. You know, like you guys are saying, leave the cop aware shit, leave the extra shit out of it. It doesn't need to be in the ring here, the octagon. It's just, yeah, it's not a place for that. Stay focused, get the fucking win, get a good win. And it might be exciting for us as fighters, but. Right. Not that excited for it as a co-main event. <laughs> I'll say it. I, I'll say it. To be honest, I really, as much as I like, don't like to see people get injured, I kind of hope Pons and Emilio get injured tonight, and then they make a last-minute call to Conley, who's up in fucking Canada, to come down and put another stamp on fucking Pereira, because fuck that dude. 
<laughs> he set the fucking he set the playbook. He showed you how to shut that fucking clan down the first time out. So yeah, fucking short notice, fucking less than a week notice, took the fight and beat his ass. Yeah, the dude's a fucking clown. He doesn't deserve to be here. It, it, and nobody is following the playbook. You follow the playbook, he's an easy victory. He's an easy W. Hopefully Ponzinibbio is smart enough to figure that out so we can get rid of the clown. And that's not that I want to add any fucking additions to Ponzinibbio because well, <laughs> it's trying to pick the lesser of two evils there. No, it, it absolutely is. It, it absolutely is. And, and I, I agree with, with both of you guys there. I don't think Ponzinibbio is necessarily anything special. And I'm a little confused as to why they've got a number next to his name in a division who's got way more talent that could be worthy of a legitimate number and how the fuck we ended up in this position is beyond me. But that being said, I still think talent wise Ponzinibbio has enough to get Pereira out of there. As long as he stays focused and fights like an intelligent human being and doesn't get sucked into the circus bullshit. That being said though, uh, as if you needed another reason to fucking yawn about this card the main event might actually be genuinely less exciting than the co-main event in this particular situation. Catlin Vieira is nothing exciting whatsoever right now, and Holly Holm is literally the definition of a fucking MMA meme at this point. It really doesn't matter if she wins or loses. They're just as equally likely to give her a fucking title shot coming out of this fight however it fucking plays loose because that is the fucking curse of Holly Holm that we as UFC fans have to fucking endure, which is why it bothers some of us so much when we see Caitlin Chukagling do the same fucking thing a division down, literally almost performance for performance, identical bullshit and the same fucking results. The only thing here is that if Caitlin Vieira actually goes out and beats the shit out of Holly Holm in dominant fashion, it means absolutely nothing because we are currently held hostage in the middle of the worst ultimate fighter season in fucking history. The delayment of this 135 pound fucking rematch is so goddamn agonizing as a fan. There's no fucking reason we have to wait till September, potentially October for this fucking fight to take place. This would have been just fine to put on in fucking July. Call it good. Be done with it. Let's fucking move on with this division already. Let Amanda fucking beat her and go back to giving Holly another ass whooping and let Pena fade back into fucking obscurity already. God damn it. <laughs> So what do you think about this one, TJ? <laughs> to be on, this is the one where you go ahead and you say, I've had enough UFC for the night. Shut your TV off. It's not worth it. <laughs> like, uh, I'm glad that the main card starts at six. So this shit show will be done by nine. And I have something better to do with my fucking evening on Saturday. Because, look, to be honest, I might not even watch this fucking card. And it's not that there aren't some interesting fights on there, but when you feed me this kind of fuckery as a main event, no, absolutely fucking not. I would much rather see fucking the goddamn Elise Reed and Sam Hughes fight here at the main event than these two cocksuckers. Right. And that's the opening fight on the fucking prelims, if you weren't aware of which fight I was just talking about. (laughs) 
that's pretty much how I feel about this because I know what's going to happen. Holly Holm is a point fighter. Caitlin Vieira, either she finishes you or she loses. That's it. There's no happy medium with her. And because Holly Holm is such a, I'll say it, she's a great point fighter. A great fucking point fighter. I think that's going to be enough to keep Vieira fucking away and get Holly Holm another fucking shot at a title, even though it's going to be in another standstill portion of the division because of this terrible Ultimate Fighter thing. But if there's any good thing to come out of this, at least we're going to see a decent Ultimate Fighter finale. Not necessarily the fucking pay-per-view, because to be honest, when that comes, I don't give a flying fuck. Right. But at least maybe we'll get some decent fighters to come out of the fucking Ultimate Fighter and give us something worthwhile to watch. But this shit... We're going to have a heavyweight championship out of it. If that's, I mean, something. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, heavyweight, there's heavyweights this season, so we're going to get big boys on a fucking Ultimate Fighter finale, so... There is that. And to be honest, the Ultimate Fighter, I missed having that around because those guys had to actually prove their worth, not this Contender Series bullshit. But either way, back, come back around here. It's just going to be a point fight match for fucking Holly Holm unless she lands a lucky head kick. And God knows Caitlin's going to be fucking privy to it because Holly Holm's got the head kick her around the world and forever will be her the biggest highlight of her entire fucking career. Since then, fucking downward spiral that for some odd reason, that spiral really doesn't go down. It just kind of does this number. A fucking goddamn cowboy holding a lasso over his fucking head. Just sits there. Doesn't do anything with it. But it's all for show. Fucking garbage. Shut this fight off. Do not tune in. Show them how much we do not appreciate it as both a hardcore fan and a casual. If you're a casual, walk the fuck away from this. This is not what I want you to be introducing yourself into the UFC with. Right. Not worth it. Do not have your casual friends over to say, hey, let's watch some good fights. These are not good fights. I kind of agree with you guys. I mean, I don't see Holly getting a finish in the fight. And then with Ketlin, even if she did finish Holly, I think that'd be more exciting. I still don't feel like she really would deserve a title shot. So I still feel like, like, I can't remember. I think one of you said it a little bit ago. They'd still probably give it to Holly. Like, it's kind of a joke situation. Like, she could win or lose. And they'd still, like, it's a meme. I remember you saying that. They'd still probably give it to Holly, you know, give her the title shot. That division seems kind of fucked at the top. And then Ketlin hasn't fought anybody at the top. She just beat Misha Tate. And Misha Tate hadn't really fought anybody and then left the division. Marion Renau since she fucking came back from her retirement she's pulling the Cejudo shit and now she's going down to flyweight I'm kind of excited for that fight coming up this summer her fight Lauren Murphy that could yes. be exciting we'll see how that goes but it, I'm, I don't see where you could get excited about this fight just because the implications of it are bullshit in my Neither one of them deserve a title shot, but you know, that's how it's going to go. Like you said, with the whole situation, the ultimate fighter, just that whole division's fucked right now because it's in limbo. Yeah, it's a big disappointment. 
I mean, I, I'm still going to watch the card. I haven't seen Holly Holmes, you know, fight since she did knock out Ronda Rousey. So for me, maybe it'll be exciting if she gets another finish. You know, I'm not going to not tune into the card just because I don't have shit else to do after work on Saturday night. But. <laughs> Not fucking thrilled. Hopefully, I'll be thrilled by the end of the shit. I'm going to have a couple of Modellos. I'm going to take a couple of dabs. Hopefully, it'll be an exciting night by the end of it. There you go. I don't help, at least. <laughs> well, and the sad part is, with that being said, that is all we've got for this particular episode, because that's all we've got for this fucking UFC card, as strange as that is. So... First and foremost, I do want to thank everybody who tuned into this, whether you're catching this live or you're catching this on a replay. We appreciate you just the same. Uh, if you want to connect with the show, we are available on all social media platforms. Links for everybody down in the description, even our casual and our wonderful guests down here. Link for all of their social medias are down in the doobly-doo down there. Uh, if you like what we do around here, Thursday nights, 9.30 p.m.-ish, central time over on youtube.com slash i'm no joe is when we do this live in video format uh if that is not your cup of tea i understand i own mirrors to fret not the week after we go live anchor.fm slash i'm no joe that podcast goes up in all audio formats so you don't have to deal with this either it's all there for you but only the main shows none of the bonus shows or extra stuff that's only on youtube so Audio format available through your podcast consumption of choice. Huge shout out to Apple Podcasts this week. I've been blowing us up for some fucking reason, so we'll take it. Uh, if you want to support what we do around here, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash I'm no Joe. It gives you access to the behind the scenes, the unaired, and the literal unairable footage that we have of the crazy shit that gets on around here. And for as little as a dollar a month, it gets your name put on the end of the thank you screen. So that's cool as shit as well. On the other side of things, if you don't like what we're up to around here, first off, why the fuck are you this deep into a podcast you don't like? Give us a thumbs down and fuck off. We won't even dispute it. That being said, that is all we've got for this particular episode. So until next time, boys and girls, remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything unless it was have to wait until the end of summer to see Britney's bush.